You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Well, if you have your Bible, you can take that look with me this morning to 2 Chronicles chapter 34, is where we're going to be, 33 and 34. 2 Chronicles, it's like 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, then you come to two books called the books of Chronicles, Old Testament. This morning we're concluding the Unsung Heroes series as we look to one more story of a man whose life was marked by his passionate pursuit of God and his desire to honor God. And as we're As we get into his story, we're going to discover that he had power and position, but what made him a man of influence was not his power, was not his position, it was his passion. His passion for God and the things of God. His name is Josiah, King Josiah to be exact. And he's a man, one man who turned a nation, brought reformation for a nation. And again, it was all as a result of his passion, his burning passion for God. So I'm going to get to his story in just a minute. But before we get to his story, let's get to a, um, a working definition of passion. So we're kind of all on the, on the same page. Passion is not just about emotion. Certainly passion involves emotions, but it's so much more, so much more than emotions. Passion is like compelling enthusiasm. It's an intense energy. Passion is a driving mode, driving motivation that leads us to do something. If, if you can think about it like this, passion is fuel for the will. It's passion that, uh, that energizes us to see a need to move toward the need. It's passion that enables us to excel. When I think of passion, a lot of different folks come to my mind, but because I love sports, two individuals quickly come to my mind. When I think about passion, I think about Walter Payton and Michael Jordan. Walter Payton and Michael Jordan. As you know, Walter Payton played uh, football for the Chicago Bears for 13 seasons, rushed for 16,726 yards, averaging 4.4 yards per carry. That means every 4.4 yards he got knocked down and he got back up and went at it again. For some time he held the record like for most rushing yards, most carries, most touchdowns. Walter Payton obviously was a talented athlete. But he was not just a talented athlete, he, he had a passion for the game. And it was passion for the game um, that positioned him to excel in, in football. I think of Michael Jordan, most of you would know Michael Jordan's story. Played 15 years of professional basketball, uh, led the Chicago Bulls to six national titles. In his career, he averaged 30.1 points per game and has known... Uh, Not all people would agree with this, but he's known as like the greatest man to ever play the sport. Now, obviously, we would all agree that Michael Jordan's talented, right? Like he has more talent than Chris and I. Though Chris has some moves. You should have seen him on the field this week. Pretty amazing. But Michael Jordan, obviously, more talented than Chris and I. He has talent, but it wasn't just his talent. He had a passion for the game, and it was passion for the game that caused him to excel. When I think of passion, I think of one more individual. His name's Millard Fillmore. Maybe you know his story. Millard Fillmore was the founder of Habitat for Humanity. In 1976, 
there was a man who had a burning passion, and his passion was this, that every individual who desired affordable housing would be able to have affordable housing. They would be able to have a home of their own. And out of his passion to make a difference, he became really creative when it comes to funding and building. And today, fast forward from 1976 to present day, over 4 million people's lives have been changed through the passion of one man. Today, over 900,000 homes around the world have either been built or rehabilitated as a result of one man's passion. His passion to make a difference. So, so again, we see passion is more than emotion. Passion is that that grabs us, that fuels us, that motivates us. So we want to be people of passion. But it's not enough just to have like passion for your mate. You should have passion for your mate. But, it, but more than that, more than passion for your family, more than passion for a career or a cause, we want to be those who have a passion for God. I mean, if there's anything that should define our lives as followers of Jesus Christ is that we have a burning passion to honor God in our lives and with our lives. I mean, it's what we, it's what we were created for. And if you think about it, God created us in His image and His likeness that we might live in relationship with Him. Tell your neighbors, say, hey, you were created for relationship with God. Go ahead and tell them. And created what it's it's how we were fashioned and formed. Matter of fact, John Piper, the, the, the great theologian, says it so well. I put this quote there in your notes this morning. It says God created me and you to live with a single, all-embracing, all-transforming passion, namely a passion to glorify God by enjoying Him and displaying His supreme excellence in all spheres of life. And he goes on to say, "Don't waste your life." Be about that passion. The Westminster Catechism that kind of answers the why question, why were we created, says this, that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. The chief purpose, the chief cause of your life, what is to enjoy, enjoy God and glorify Him further. So we were created to live in relationship with God and we thrive in our lives when we have that right connection, that, that right relationship. It's our passion for God that opens our lives to the fullness of all that God has for us. And King Josiah, the man that we want to talk about this morning, we're going to look to his story, discovered this at a young age. At a young age, he came to understand that he was created for this relationship with God. And from a young age, he began to passionately pursue God. His story is recorded in both Second Chronicles 34 and 35, as well as... In 2 Kings 23, but there's one verse, there's one verse that summarizes his life. And it was this verse, as I began to think about unsung heroes, who are we going to talk about in this series? It's this one verse that captured my attention about this, this young man. And I thought, we got to talk about this young man. Because a lot of you maybe have never heard King Josiah's story. But this one verse, again, it, it captured me because it's a statement of his life. 2 Kings 23, 25 reads like this. Neither before nor after Josiah was there there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did. Notice, with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength, in accordance with the law of Moses. So, So as it relates to King Josiah, he's like what I would call all in. Fully committed. A fully devoted follower of God. 
Now, this was the exact opposite of those who had preceded. As a matter of fact, King Josiah didn't have like real good role models. His grandfather and his father were both kings, and you can read this, it's all recorded in Scripture. His grandfather was King Manasseh. King Manasseh served the nation of Israel for 55 years, and basically the summary of his grandfather's life is he was a wicked man who led the nation of Israel away from God. King Manasseh had a son by the name of Amon. Amon was Josiah's dad. He was also the king. He served for two years until he was assassinated. But again, the scripture says of of Josiah's dad, King Amon, that he was a wicked man. Again, same statement, who led the nation of Israel away from God. So then Josiah becomes king at, at eight years of age. Think about that. He's king, leading a nation, eight years of age. He didn't have like the healthy model, yet he was drawn, he was captivated by this burning passion for God. So let's read his story, or at least a portion of his story. And I would encourage you to read his whole story, um, maybe later today or this week. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, beginning with verse 1, this is how the scripture reads. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he walked in the ways of his father, being King David, his father David, not turning aside to the right or the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles, carved idols, and cast images. Under his direction, the altars of Baal were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them and smashed the ash repos, the idols and the images. These he broke to pieces and scattered over the graves of all of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priest on their altars so that he purged Judah and Jerusalem. And the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali, and the ruins around them, he tore down the altars and the Asherah poles and crushed the idols to powder, cut to pieces all the incense altar throughout Israel. Then he went back to Jerusalem. And what a challenge facing a young king. Basically, this nation of Israel, the people that God has chosen as his own, remember, he sent Moses into Egypt to lead them out of Egypt to the promised land. I mean, this is all a part of God's redemption plan through the nation of Israel would come the Messiah. Again, God's plan being carried out. But God had rescued these people, called them their own. Yet what we discover is in this particular time, the nation had like totally turned away from God, totally rejected God. What do we have here is spiritual decline, moral decline, and a nation in crisis. And Josiah at eight years of age becomes king. I mean, think about that. Eight years of age, he's taken this position of leadership with a nation in crisis. Yet we see this this turning of the nation, this reformation happening. And it all was a result of, and I think this is the key of the story, it was a result of his passion for God. as, As you look to his story, what we discover is that King Josiah tenaciously pursued God. Like the scripture says, he was all in. I mean, it was the passion of his life to honor God. The scripture tells us not only did he have this tenacious passion, but if you look on in chapter 34, verse 27, the scripture talks 
about how he humbled himself before God. In the midst of the depravity of the nation, in the midst of a nation that had given itself to the worship of these false gods, Asherah and Baal and all of these idols, here's King Josiah. The scripture says that he repented before God for the sins of the nation. He rent his robe. He was in such distress because of the disgrace of the nation and how the nation had turned away from God. So he tenaciously pursued God. He humbled himself before God, repenting for the sins of the nation. And then he began to clean the nation, to purge the nation of idolatry. Now, you can find this if you read the whole story. But, I mean, talking about a nation gone away from God, they had taken the temple, the very place that had been constructed for the worship of God, and had turned it into a place of the worship of false gods. They had built, actually, um, altars to the God of Baal, the God of Asherah, the sun god, the God of fertility. They had built these altars in the temple and they'd actually turn the temple into a place of prostitution. I mean, think about that. That would be like us taking this building that's been built to honor God and saying, hey, we're going to erect all of these altars and you can come and worship whatever God you want. Want to sacrifice your kid and worship to a false God? You can do it here. Oh, and over in this corner, we're going to have all the prostitutes. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's exactly what happened in this time. And so Josiah, out of his passion for God, begins to cleanse the nation of this idolatry. He also reestablished the Passover celebration. I mean, the summary of his life is basically he brought reformation. He turned a whole nation. And it all came out of this zeal, this passion for God. So, so what can we learn? What can we learn from Josiah and his passion for God? I have several things there. They're in your notes. The first is this. You're never too young to be dynamically used by God. Never too young. Again, Josiah became king at eight years of age. I mean, think about that. That's a second grader. A second grader leading the nation. A second grader bringing reformation. And if you kind of do your math and add it up, the scripture says at age 16, he like radically, radically began to seek the Lord. At age 20, he's like doing this total uh, cleaning of house in the nation of Israel as it relates to idolatry. I mean, God working through an 8-year-old, a 16-year-old to impact the nation. You know what that tells me? It tells me that you're never too young, never too young to be used of God. Now, obviously, we don't have a lot of children in here this morning. We have a few. We have our youth in with us today. But listen, to high schoolers, to middle schoolers, to high schoolers that's here today, I would want you to know you're never too young. Never too young. That's what we learned from Josiah. And for the parents and grandparents, what can we learn from this? As a parent, I think there's a takeaway from this. And here's the takeaway. You want to fan the flame of the faith of your children and your teenagers. Well, you want to teach them. You want to instruct them. You want to encourage them to passionately pursue God. But more important than that, parents and grandparents, you need to model it. Because this is what I believe. More is caught than taught. Right? More it's caught than done. So what? They need to see it in you. They need to see a passion for God in your life. And may that passion then be that that captures their own hearts, their own lives. But never, never too young. And God's not limited by age, whether it's the young or, 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 the, or the senior or anywhere in between. It's not the age of the individual that determines the outcome, but the passion that dwells within the person. 
That's illustrated in a great story. This takes us back a few years. But there's a young, young teenager, 13 years of age, Grand Rapids, Michigan. His name is Blair Gooch. Blair Gooch. You can Google, great story. But let me just quickly summarize the story. When the earthquake happened that rocked the country of Haiti, Blair, at 13 years, 13 years of age, was watching the newscast. And he saw a little boy standing on a pile of rubble that used to be his home. Little boy, just tears running down his face. And Blair, 13 years of age, couldn't get that image out of his mind. And he was thinking about his teddy bear that brought comfort for him when he was in troubled times. And he thought, wow, if we could just get the kids in Haiti a teddy bear, a stuffed animal, maybe that would bring some comfort for them. So he went to his school the next day with this idea. He asked his teacher, hey, can I announce over the PA system the collecting of stuffed animals? And so the teacher let him announce to his school. There was a TV station that picked up on it, a radio station that picked up on it. Now there's all kinds of schools collecting stuffed animals for bears with blue, uh, um, bears with Blair to impact Haiti. Get this, over 25,000 stuffed animals were sent to kids in Haiti. Another 22,000 were sent to nonprofit organizations around the world. And it all happened through a 13-year-old who had a passion to make it. Yeah, here's a picture of Blair uh, surrounded, by all, surrounded by all of these stuffed animals. And I love his story, but even more than that, his statement, listen to what he said. He says, it doesn't really matter how small you are, how old you are. If you're young and think you can't make a difference in the world, well, actually, you can. And he's proof. 13-year-old. And and today now he's gathering school supplies, so it wasn't like this one-time hit. It's been ongoing. His life has been changed, and now he's making a difference. But it started when he was 13. For Josiah, it started when when he was eight. And you're never too young. Now, this past week, we had vacation Bible school. We had 92 kids who received Christ as their Savior. But get this, out of 240 volunteers, 96 of our volunteers were middle schoolers and high schoolers. 96. Is that not amazing? Think about that. 96 teenagers here spending a week loving on, serving children. As a result of that, 92 children accepted Christ as their Savior. Listen, you're never too young. Never too young to be dynamically used to God. What do we need? Passion. It's passion for God. Secondly, passion for God will give you perseverance when the way is hard. Perseverance. How many of you know the reality of honoring God in our lives, with our lives every day can be challenging? Do you agree with that? In your workplace, in the marketplace, in your school, wherever life takes you. How many of you know sometimes it's hard to stand up for God? It's hard to do the God-honoring right thing. It's not always easy. But here's what I know. When we have like this passion for God, what does it do? It gives us perseverance. When we have a confidence in God and God's ability, what we can stand in the midst of adversity. When we're not down, we get back up. Why? Because there's this passion for God that fuels perseverance. And I think we see this in, in King Josiah's story. Now, the scripture doesn't exactly say this. So uh, there's some assumption here on my part. But I have to believe that as he as he came in and began to like clean house, like he's ripping down these altars and he's, he's chopping up these false idols and he's like grinding them to powder and putting them in the water and he's, you know, digging up graves. And I have to believe that there were some folks who were not happy, right? Because what people don't like change, right? 
Listen, the people in the nation of Israel, they didn't want change, just like you don't like change. And I've been doing this long enough to know that people don't like, they don't like change. Much less, there would have been some of the individuals who were like fully invested in their false gods. So now Josiah's tearing down the altar. I have to think there was probably some picketing going on. There was probably some rioting. There was probably some letter, some nasty letter writing campaigns happening. Because that's what happens when you become a change agent for God. That's what happens when you begin to stand for righteousness. And I believe that, that Josiah found perseverance out of his passion. I say, when we, when we got this, like when we're all in for God, then again, what it, it fuels, it fuels perse- perseverance in our lives. And that leads us right into the third benefit of passion for God is this. Passion will feed faith, opening the way for God's work. And when we have this, when we have this burning hot passion, when we're, when we're all in, like with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, what does it do? It it fuels faith. In other words, when I am passionately pursuing God, what happens? God gets bigger in my life. Now, obviously, God's big, but in your life, is He big? Does He have that place in your life that, that like He's an authority in your life? See, when you passionately pursue God, God gets bigger in your life. And as God gets bigger as your spirit grows, then what happens? The end result of that is is faith grows. Listen, don't go chasing faith. I hear people all the time saying, I want greater faith. Listen, don't chase faith, chase God. You get God, you get faith. And when you get faith, what happens? God shows up, right? You want to see more miracles. You want to see more supernatural. You want to have more God experience in your life. Then what do you need to do? You need to passively pursue God that grows faith, that fuels faith. And where there's faith, what God works. I mean, we see it throughout Scripture. Let me give you just really quick one example. 1 Samuel 17, the, the great story of a shepherd boy who goes out on the battlefield to face Goliath. If you'd been on the battlefield that day and if you were betting money, you wouldn't have put your money on David. You'd have put your money on Goliath. Why? Because he's, he's bigger. He's trained. He's got all the equipment. I mean, you, you would say, wow, between shepherd boy, lean, mean, fighting machine, the Philistine, I think he's going to take David out. It's interesting if you read the story, 1 Samuel 17, David, the shepherd boy, had this burning passion for God. As he's out on the battlefield, he says to Goliath, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine, that you would defy the armies of the living God? Who are you? Who are you that you would speak against my God? Long story short, David, the shepherd boy, takes out Goliath, um, this military giant. The miracle happened. Why? Because David's passion fueled his faith. His faith opened the way for God to work. And this is what I guarantee you this morning. If you live your life all in for God, like all, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, then this is what you're going to do. You're going to experience more supernatural in your life. You're going to experience more God in your life. You're going to see God work in your life in greater ways. Why? Because when we have a passion for God, it fuels faith. And when faith is fueled, God works. When faith is really, it's really, it's a simple biblical principle. Where we operate in faith, it's there that God works reveals his greatness finally this morning as we think of passion as we think specifically of of passion for god when we have this burning passion for god it empowers us to become a difference maker a difference maker you know there's no limit to what god can do through one person who's fully committed 
to following Him. And when we serve God and, and we pursue God with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength, God will not only position us, but He'll open opportunities for us that we can be like a difference maker. And what I love about Josiah's story, again, I've, I've said it a couple times, but let me say it again. One man, one man turned a whole nation. Talking about, uh, talking about the influence, the impact of his life. And it all came out of King Josiah's passion, his passion for God. You know, there's a great summary verse, one verse I think that's, that it captures Josiah's life in Second Chronicles 34, verse 33. Listen to how the scripture reads. It's on the screen. It says, Josiah removed all the detestable idols from the territory belonging to the Israelites. And he had all who were present in Israel to serve the Lord their God. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their fathers. What an, what an amazing statement about a man's life, about the influence and impact of his life. See, this is what I know. When you passionately pursue God, when you're all in, when you're fully committed, when you're a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be a difference maker. God's going to work through your life to impact maybe a community of people, or, or to impact a cause, an issue. And it all flows out of what? Passion. You know, I, I think of one of my favorite unsung hero stories, and this is a bit personal for me because it goes back to my roots. There was one lady who never wrote a book, never traveled the world, never spoke at major seminars, yet her life made a difference. And it, and it all flowed out of her passion. The year was 1942. 1942, there was a lady by the name of Martha Brackenridge that went to the hills of Arkansas, the Ozark Mountains, where my family had pioneered, where my family had settled. My great-great-grandfather, my great-grandfather, and I, I didn't know them. Uh, obviously, I knew my grandfather. But she came to the hills of Arkansas in 1942, and she had a passion for children. So she traveled for a time, home to home, doing Sunday school in homes. And one of the homes that she went and did Sunday school in was the home of my grandfather. So my family came to faith through a woman who came to the hills of Arkansas alone, a single woman, began Sunday school in the homes. My grandparents came to faith. My dad, when she came to the hills of Arkansas, my dad was two years of age. Uh, my dad was mentored by this woman. She built a little church that never was more than, say, 75 people. But through her life, she impacted a whole community. I remember as a kid, every Monday afternoon, there would be 15 to 20 of us kids that would get off the school bus at the little Crabtree Foursquare Church, and Miss Brackenridge would feed us all dinner. And then she would have all the kids line up, and every kid had to go to this horse-drawn plow uh, if you can get that picture, and we, you know, you know, for some of us, we had to have a box to stand on, but she would make us put our hands to the plow, and there was this verse before us from the Gospel of Luke that says, he who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is not fit for service in the kingdom of God. And then we would go into a little Sunday school room, and she would, like, make the flannel graph board come to life, and some of you don't even know what that is. But my life was impacted my dad's life was impacted. My granddad's life was impacted. Our family came to faith through one woman 
who lived their life in this little isolated mountain community. And today, today there's, as I know of, over 15 men and women who are in full-time ministry as a result of one woman who was a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. She lived her life with it. You couldn't be around her without catching part of what she had. Obviously, her life has had great impact on my own. This is what I know. When you live with a burning passion for God, you'll become a difference maker. You'll impact the community. You'll turn a cause, potentially impact the nation. God has no limits. It's amazing what He can do through one individual who's fully committed, fully devoted to following Him, like King Josiah. So as I wrap this up this morning, on a scale of 1 to 10, one being passive, lukewarm, not interested, 10 being red-hot passion for God. Think about your life, not your neighbor's life, your life. Where would you say you're at today? Are you more on the one side passive? Or are you on the ten side? Burning hot passion for God. Wherever you're at on that scale, you determine where you're at, right? At the end of the day, it becomes your choice. In Matthew 22, Jesus was asked this question, Master, what's the greatest of the commandments? And this is what he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. In other words, Jesus says, here it is, get all in. Be fully committed. Now, it's not that we don't love God. Listen, you, you wouldn't be here today if you didn't have an interest in God. The, the lake is too inviting. So obviously you have an interest in God because you're here today. But this is one of the things I've come to discover, especially if you've been... Um, a follower of Jesus for a while, if you've been in church for a while, what happens, what can happen is the pressures of life, the demands of life, the distractions of life can cause our passion to wane. In other words, the fire begins to go out. Now, that's the natural tendency of fire to go, is to go out, right? I'm going to ask that again. The natural tendency of a fire is to go out, Right? I mean, if you have a campfire and no one's tending the fire, no one's putting wood on the fire, after a while, the fire what? It goes out. Listen, the same thing is true in your relationship with God. If you're not putting wood on the fire, the fire's going to go out. So it did for the early church, the church of Ephesus. Revelation chapter 2, Jesus speaking to the church at Ephesus says, hey, I'm applauding these things, but this I have against you. You've left your first love. He says, repent. Repent and turn back to your first love. The challenge is, maybe for some of you this morning, you've not been putting wood on the fire. And if you're honest in this scale of 1 to 10, you're more on the 1 side than you are the 10 side. Why? You've not been putting wood on the fire. From the life of King Josiah, I, I challenge you today. Don't be passive in your pursuit of God. May we be those who are all in, fully committed, fully devoted.
followers of Jesus Christ. Now, what I know as we live our lives that way, God, it's then that we embrace and experience the fullness of all that you have for us. So in my prayer for all of my friends here today, for those watching online, may we live our lives all in on the scale of one to ten. Lord, may we live our lives at the ten that we're passionately pursuing you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.